It's important to start your day that way. Do you ever do that? Declare all the promises that you know are true between you and God? I challenge you to do that. It'll make a difference not only in what happens in your day, but in your power and your alertness during the day. And we're going to do everything we can this morning not to fall off the back of the stage. So you all just keep worrying about us, okay? So where are we? Uh, we're excited that you're here today and joining us. This is week number two in the Love Your Neighborhood, right? Last week, uh, Jake was here and did a fine job. And we're moving through this series and taking our time to examine what it truly looks like to be a neighbor uh, and to follow the command that Jesus uh, gave us, that God gave us, uh, that is discovered in last week's lesson, uh, to love your neighbor. Now, you may remember last week that we talked through the account that's often referred to as the Good Samaritan, right? Exactly. And that's in Luke chapter 10. And we saw there that some religious leaders had come up to Jesus and they were testing him. They were poking on him to see if he was who he said he was and what he knew. And... Uh, they ask him this question, what are the two greatest commandments? Well, Jesus is a pretty smart fellow, you know. He didn't fall for that because, you know, somebody, when somebody comes and asks you a question, they generally have an answer they have in mind, right? So Jesus said, well, what do you say? And the man says, he, he, does, he, he gives an answer to that that reveals his, his knowledge of the Old Testament. And he combines two uh, texts from the Old Testament. The first part of his answer comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What do we call that here in New City? Shema. Shema. That's Shema. That means here. And, and the second one, uh, he quotes out of Leviticus 19.18, and it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's our motivation for loving your neighbor as yourself. So he puts those together and says, love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know that came out of the Old Testament? You thought that had been created right on the spot there, right? But that's eternal truth. That's the character and the nature of God. Jesus agrees to confirming what this lawyer had said, but the lawyer's not quite satisfied. He presses in just a little bit harder because he wants to look big. And he wants to do the right thing, but he also wants to maybe a little lazy and do the only thing that needs to be done, right? Not that any of us would ever do that. So do you suppose he really wants a, a broad answer to the possibilities of, of a, when he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words... He's really just looking for a box to check. Try using this. Okay. He's... <laughs> Experience, not so much. What he's really looking for is just a box to check. He's not looking for somebody to love. He's not looking for a neighbor. He just wants to have that box checked. That's exactly right. See, this is the table we have in our front yard. We're going to talk about this table here in a few minutes. And we're at our table in our front yard with our friends and with our neighbor. We don't use microphones. <laughs> so it, it, it's really okay, you, right? You, walking down the street. Hello, neighbor! <laughs> yeah, we got big boom boxes out there, so... Uh, so what this guy, he's, he's looking for a, a, a once-and-done act of righteousness, right? Not, like I said, not that any of you would ever do that. Uh, but in response, Jesus told an amazing story about a, being a proactive neighbor uh, to those within his proximity. In other words, the answer was, who are you a neighbor to, not who is your neighbor? So it only comes down to one person, right? And that's you. So 
Last week, we, learned, we leaned into proximity. We asked you to, to find and know who is your neighbor, and we gave you one of these uh, neighborhood magnets. Who is my neighbor magnets? You can see this is our... Uh, you have to be careful because they do wipe off fairly easily. We found that out when we picked it up to bring it here. So all, yeah. we, we wiped all of our neighbors off. <laughs> Got new neighbors. <laughs> Bill, Joe. Anyway, uh, so... I hope that you took that challenge. If you haven't, it's not too late to begin. This is something, this is a, should be, become a lifestyle with you. Not this magnet, but this process. So uh, we, we gave you two challenges. One is to fill that in with the names of your neighbors. And to do that, what do you have to know? Their names. Their names. All right. And that sounds like a new city value, doesn't it? To, to know people's names and to let them know you know their names. That works in the neighborhood just like it does right here in, in the confines of, of, of these walls. Uh, so we ask you to, to find out who your neighbors are and fill that in. And the, the, we also challenge you more than knowing who they are, uh, you have to get to know them, right? So become familiar with them. And that's really what we're going to try to do today is kind of share a little bit of a background to that. And at the end, we're going to take just a couple of minutes and share how we lean into this getting to know our neighbors because it's not easy for us either. We're, we're really bad at it. Uh, but we really want to do it well. So we, Anita and I today hope to encourage and equip you to love your neighbor, and in particular, how to get to know them. Is that a deal? You want to get to know your neighbor? How many people know all your neighbors? we got a few good neighbors out there. I love that. So we're going to have training classes afterwards. These are going to be... Those are people we can learn from. It's not, as I often say, it's not rocket science, Right? Now, as some have heard me say before, I happen to be a rocket scientist, but that doesn't help. <laughs> In fact, that's kind of a hindrance. So, because I too am often a very poor neighbor, and I don't want to be, but it's not easy for me. I'm not an outgoing person. I'm kind of a mm, sort of a recluse, maybe sometimes, not always. Uh, but why do I need to be a good neighbor? And I think we can learn something from the Apostle Paul about this. And we learn that over in, in Ephesians chapters 4 and 5. And there Paul teaches us how to imitate Jesus. See, loving your neighbor is simple, is as simple as imitating Jesus. So Jesus shows us how to do that. So how can, uh, how, how he, Paul teaches them how they can share and expand this idea of love and life through Jesus and the people around them and the people with whom they're in community with. And ultimately, this is the same thing we're asked to do and challenging ourselves to do. I was going to say every morning, but that would have been a lie. Most mornings, <laughs> I read my utmost for my highest. My utmost for your highest. <laughs> By Oswald Chambers. And a few days ago, he makes the connection between Jesus' invitation to his disciples of come to me as what he continues to do through us. He continues to say Come. He continues to say that. And as we do that, as we allow him to speak that come through us and we go out into life, we are actually reproducing the echo of Christ's come. I just, that just really struck me, that we can go out and reproduce the echo of Christ's come to me. That's pretty powerful, and it's very important. You don't need your echo, do you? <laughs> So Christ's echo is very important. Echo, 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 echo. So let's look at Paul's instructions. He starts in verse 31, and 
with, with how sometimes we act toward our neighbors, and he says to stop it. I didn't put this verse on the screen, but this is what he says first, and see if this maybe indicates how you might have acted with your neighbors. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Is there a neighborhood brawl maybe in your heart sometimes? Sometimes your neighbors aren't neighborly. Maybe sometimes you're not. He says, but instead of that, to be kind one to another. He didn't say that they changed. This is the instruction for you to change. Remember, it's the echo of Jesus. Jesus didn't wait until we changed. He came and treated us this way. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, tender-hearted forgiving, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. In other words, freely you have received, freely give. That sounds pretty similar to the two commands, doesn't it? If you think closely, it's the illustration that Jesus gave last week in the story of the good Samaritan, right? Though they were naturally enemies, this Samaritan and this wounded Jew, the Samaritan uh, picks up the one who's been beaten and robbed, and he shows him kindness and compassion. Who knows, this guy may have spit on him at some time in the past. If we, if we were doing a drama about this, that's what I would do. I would have him kind of treat this guy bad so that the Samaritan would have no reason. But traditionally, Samaritans and Jews have nothing to do with each other. So uh, this is what we call... The, what. The Good Samaritan did is what we as followers of Christ are called to do, to look and smell like Jesus, to echo Jesus and receive the, com- uh, the compassion and the mercy he has for us and then pour it out on those around us, right? Uh, I've heard somebody describe it this way. We're to be a river, not a lake, <laughs> right? And if we're a river, there's always more to come in. If you're a lake, your capacity is limited. So be a river, Let the river flow. But Paul continues. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. You see, that's our motivation is what Christ did. And Christ hasn't asked of us anything that he hasn't already modeled to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So Jesus became our neighbor. He reached across the divide between heaven and earth. He put on skin. He blessed us. He fellowshiped with us. He ministered to us. He healed our wounds. And he declared that the kingdom of God has come near you. And we're starting to see, we even saw that today, right? The kingdom of God came to these three today, just like he's came, come to many of us. And it's all about love. We should all break into some sort of song now, right? But to love your neighbor, you have to deal with that four-letter word, love. It's not that easy. So when you think of love, what comes to mind? That warm, fuzzy feeling, that feeling that's healing. You know, you think of affectionate feelings, passion, desires, deep commitment, right? But that's not really the reality of our lives, I don't think. When, when we're talking about our neighbors, that's seldom true. How many of your neighbors do you have really warm, fuzzy feelings? Oh, I just want to be with Bill and Shirley this morning. Or I love the way their dog messes in my yard and my kids <laughs> step in that and bring it in the house. I really want to be with them today. All that sort of stuff. I hope they get another dog. I hope they get another dog. <laughs> yes, a bigger dog. I got lots of stories about that, to tell you the truth. Uh, dogs I've rescued that hate that were not fun animals of our neighbors and stuff, but how we were their sanctuary in time in literal times of storm. Uh, but anyway, 
It's not easy to be a neighbor. Sometimes animals are a help. Sometimes they're a hindrance. But there's a biblical definition of love. And I like the, the, the definition that Dallas Willard gives in his, his book, uh, Divine Conspiracy Continued. I don't know if you've ever read the first book, but just before he died, he finished the second book, Continued. And he says this, Love of the agape variety is goodwill in action. Love of neighbor is a disposition to act for what is good for those closest to us. Now, you may want to write this down. So get your, this is a good place. you got place on your note uh, sheet there. So write this down. Love, biblical love at least, has little to do with emotions or feelings. It makes you sad, doesn't it? But that's true. Love has to do with intent and with actions. It's a choice. It's a choice. That's exactly right. It's not an easy choice. So let's look at how Paul continues in verse 15. He says, uh, pay careful attention. That means pay attention, right? (laughs) Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So when we, he says, pay careful attention to how you walk. He's not really whether you stride or you prance, but I mean how you act. Walk is a, is a Hebrew idiom for walking out the truth of God in the physical capacity of your life. So he's saying, look real. So... Um, how did he say to walk over in, in uh, verse 1 up there? He said to walk in love. And then he continues, walk wise, making the most of time, being wise with their time. Now that's really the problem, isn't it? Time. How many of you have a lot of excess time? Oh, I don't see any hands going up there. Okay, one, one, one excess time. We'll need to borrow some of your time. Thanks for, thanks for being honest. Uh, but I'd like to know what excess time looks like. So... Uh, how, how do I look at my crazy schedule in my neighborhood and I make the most of the time that I have? And it seems like I'm, I, I've already in, interjected a lot of different elements in asking you to reach out and stuff. And you're probably on the edge of your seat or the back of your seat or somewhere in your seat. I'm pretty sure you're in your seat right now. Uh, and you're saying, Charlie, stop it. You're stressing me out. I don't need one more thing to do. Anybody feel that way? Wow, some of you are either asleep or you know in a better place. But some of you are honest. I appreciate that. We took your names. <clears throat> so how do I do that? I know I'm stressed out. Not too long ago, we were tasked, and it was definitely a task, but we were tasked to work in six new group activities a month into our schedule. And my reaction was a gut reaction, and it was, how? When? <laughs> Where? I mean, it was, I was thinking, you are ridiculous. Um, and so I was sharing my frustration and my concern with that, and a very well-meaning believer said to me, well, you just need to rearrange your schedule because you have time for your priorities. Anybody so, ever heard that? Okay. So, Christians don't say that. Just stop it. So my gut reaction, which of course was stress-driven, was anger. Who are you to presume anything about my schedule and my priorities? (coughs) And 
you're nuts. <laughs> Their advice for me didn't help at all. Not at all. What I needed was practical insight to incorporate simple changes to my routine to accomplish the mission. But when, when all it was was a task, all it did was create stress. So it can't just be a job once and done. It's got to be a part of way of life. So how did Jesus do that? He was pretty busy. He had to walk everywhere he went. That took a lot of time, right? So how did he do that? So here's two things, at least, that can help you uh, as, as we look at this concept. First of all, realize what your neighborhood is. Everyone has a neighborhood. You all live somewhere, right? I mean, everybody is somewhere. So sometimes it's the place where you live, and sometimes it's where you work or you come and you go or you, and you do life. But you either have a neighborhood or a network. You can choose one, you can choose both, but you are somewhere all the time, right? So that's where you're going to, you, where God has placed you and he's given you favor, whether you realize it or not, he's given you favor and influence in those places. So why wouldn't you carry God with you to those places? Now, that may intimidate you, but that's why God created you, to represent him in the earth. See, God depends on you to be the light of the darkness in your neighborhood, and he puts you there in your neighborhood, in your network, to minister uh, to those folks in, that, in those places. And so we can find persons of peace in all those places. So let's expand your view of neighborhood. Yeah, uh, I've already mentioned the, the, the people we live by, but they're also the people that we work by. So how can... I am at, when we're, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whether we're next door, wherever we are, how can we do these things? How can we imitate Christ here? How can I walk in love here where I am? How can I make the most of my time here? Don't add it to your schedule. Do it in the schedule you already have. You have a schedule. Even if you've got extra time, you've got time to do this, right? There you go. So it's exhibiting the nearness and the grace of God. That's right. In ordinary life, it's being available, aware, and intentional. So invest your effort right in the neighborhood or network that God has already uh, put you in, the ones already in your schedule. You see, the the good Samaritan, think of this, he found this man Mm -hmm. right in the middle of his schedule. Yes, he did. He was going somewhere, right? Uh, so I suspect everything that happened was part of his schedule because uh, he used his network, his marketplace. Uh, he was a businessman. He was on a journey, it says in, in the parable, right? He wasn't on the mission to find wounded travelers. He was on a money-making mission. His purpose was to, to buy, sell, and get gain. But he incorporated this man, this wounded person in the middle of the street into his mission that he was already on, and he used the same donkey... He used the same end that I think he was already headed toward, and I suspect he was using the same resources that were already at his disposal, the the money he had with him, and the innkeeper himself was somebody he already knew because he stayed there frequently. Why else do you think he would hold the debt till he gets back to pay it? So you see how he used his neighborhood, his network, to meet the needs. So he he didn't own or adopt the man. He used his resources to help the man. Charlie told me that I could interrupt him, but he actually has to look at me in order for me to get his attention. So, why would the innkeeper, why would he trust him and care for this wounded traveler? 
And I think it's for what Charlie said, because he had already built a relationship with this innkeeper. This was a routine. So the innkeeper knew his character, knew his routine, knew what he was about. And so it was easy to trust him. And really, it's a habit that we create. When we have habits, we're, we're not born with habits. We develop habits. And habits turn into routines. And routines are rhythms, if you're more creative and you don't like the word routine. Rhythms. I like rhythms. You like rhythms? Because I got music. No, you don't. I got no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You have routines. I got routine. Okay. You have routines. I got routine. But rhythms and routines are freeing. They're not restrictive. They keep us steady and sane. And they make us ready to incorporate something new or something unusual into our rhythm. Because we know what we're doing. We know where there's time. We know where there's energy. It's kind of like jumping rope. How many of you jumped rope as a kid? So you got the two people with the rope. And you're watching the rhythm. You're watching the routine. And then when you know it's time, you seamlessly jump in there. And you jump until your turn is over. And then you start sensing the rhythm again because you got to get back out without tangling yourself up. Life is a lot like jumping rope. It's exactly like that. When you have the rhythm, when you have the routine, you can tell when and how to jump in how long to stay, and how to get back out. So when you find yourself tied up in knots, just simply jump rope. So the idea here is to serve the people around you. See, God's love is not a religious exercise. It's extraordinarily practical. Yes, it is. And you need to understand that it's practical for you and it's practical for the people he's called you to, to love. And also we need to realize the intentionality. Your intentionality uh, shows your true intentions. That's kind of like one of those dust statements, right? Uh, But think about it for a moment. Where you are, what you do, you do those so that the people you encounter routinely see that you love and you care for them. See, if that's not true, it shows too. (laughs) That's true. And first, they'll hear your come. They'll hear, whether in words or in actions, I have room for you in my life. Come on, come. And then after a period of time, they'll hear Jesus's come through you. And when that happens, the conversations in that relationship will change. You're very often the first glimpse that they've ever had of Jesus or God. That's why I, I said that to fathers, right? That's powerful for your families, but your neighbor have, may hasn't, have had a father that didn't represent God well either. So they may not know about this God that truly is and exists and is, is accessible to us and that loves us. So... Uh, do it. <laughs> so Jesus provides an awesome process for that. He not only demonstrates it, but he gives us a process for that. And in this same chapter where we find the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, if we were to read the, the first eight, uh, nine verses of that same chapter before this dialogue about the Good Samaritan, we'd find how Jesus handles this uh, love your neighbor or get to know your neighbor process because he did it with the seventy. The larger group of people. And so as he was sending the 70 out to cover Judea with the good news, uh, let's read how this goes down. And and I think this is going to be on the screen. It says, "The, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs. There's always some good advice in here, pairs. So maybe you want to love your neighborhood in pairs. 
but I'll come back to that maybe, appears ahead of him to every city where he himself was going to come. Whatever house you enter, he says, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. So stay in that house, eating and drinking. Now that's fun, right? What they give to you, whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat what is set before you, and heal those who are sick. And then say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Wow. So what does this all this mean in terms of intentionality towards your neighbors? Again, we're looking at our literal neighbor or our network right across the street, right across the, the cubicle, or, or maybe right next, you know, with the power tools right next to you on the job. Uh, so uh, it's the, in the context of the people that we routinely encounter. So Jesus sent these 70 out with great instructions as to how to encounter their neighbors. And I want to break those down for you. Your, your handout has this on it. It has four things that I, th- I think I put four things that, that Jesus did. And I want you to pay very close attention to it because these are progressive and they're simple. The first thing he did was in verse 5. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. Now, sometimes we have neighborhood brawls, right? What if we stop neighborhood brawling and we begin neighborhood piecing? I know there's difficulty, but I speak peace to the house. What if you blessed your neighbors? That's the first. Bless your neighbors. And not just when they sneeze. Do what? And not just when they sneeze. Come yeah, on. Oh, not when they sneeze. That's right. Yeah, I get that. Oh, that's a knee slapper. I love it. Not just, right. But bless your neighbors and then mean it. It may be difficult at first, but this is, this is a practice I've been doing for some time in, in my neighborhood and my workplace, my network and my neighborhood. Instead of criticizing the people around me and all the things they don't do that match with me, I have come to bless them. I'm asking for God's prosperity for them. I'm asking uh, for God's uh, goodness for them. I'm asking for God's peace for them. I'm asking for, for them to flourish in their families and their relationships. This says, uh, uh, the, the number two item, uh, well, I'm asking for well-being, completeness, soundness, welfare, and all that adds up to the one thing we ask for. That's shalom, peace, right? So enter your neighborhood with a blessing. It might change your life, too. It's more like, like adopting an attitude of gratitude. So uh, what's your practice? Do you bless or complain about your neighbor's? I had a habit of complaining. I had a lot to complain about. It wasn't like the complaining was unjustified. Always. But I began blessing and things began changing in the neighborhood. So how can you bless your neighborhood? One way I do it, I get up every morning and before I leave my bed, I'm praying for them. I go to the front door, I pray for them. Uh, And I... um, I'm not much of a walker, but when I do walk and I drive the neighborhood, I pray for them and bless the houses as I walk by them. And what I know, what I've learned of those people, I bless that in their family or in their circumstances. It's really kind of like a, a little mini kairos in New City Church culture language where you observe and you reflect. As you drive through the neighborhood or as you walk through the neighborhood, just look at your neighbor's houses. Look at their yards. Look at what's going on. Not like nosy neighbors, but just like observant neighbors. And then reflect that back to the Father. Father, I see that this house has a new basketball goal. So, Lord, I ask for great times there. I ask for energy and strength. I ask for strong ankles (laughs) that will sustain the jumping up and down. Or, Father, I see new... 
flower pots. So I ask, Father, for growth in this house. Father, I see this tire has a flat, so Father, I ask for your provision and your resources to stretch to meet that unexpected need. And just start to bless and bring the kingdom into your into your neighborhood. Last week, Charlie and I were at the Edgerton campus, and if you haven't been to the Edgerton campus, you're really missing out on a special kind of love there. Uh, it's a really sweet, sweet place. But last week, Casey was recounting, much like Pastor Matt does here, about the different things that they've done to bless their community. As a matter of fact, this weekend is Frontier Days, and so they have been blessing Edgerton by serving at the Frontier Days. But when they first came into the community, they asked three questions of their neighbors. They asked, what do you love about Edgerton? What do you want to see different in Edgerton? And how can we help? And then they listened to those responses, and they they morphed, they changed, they, what's the word? They incorporated those desires into the actions that they were doing. They understood the practicality of God and began to, they to, did. to step into those things. And so Frontiers Day, Frontiers Day um, started Friday, might have started Thursday night. Um, but this year, the mayor of Edgerton asked Pastor Casey to pray for frontier days. Do you realize how huge that is when a government official comes and asks, I'm giving you the keys to the city. Would you pray for it? The kingdom of God is at hand. That's exactly right. Now, he didn't ask him to, in his quiet time, pray for it. He invited him to come to the city uh, offices and pray. So I mean, it wasn't incidental, it was purposeful, and he invited him to bring the people of his church with him to pray with him. Well, just a little bit, and I don't know what all the details are, I just know that last year something unsavory happened at Frontier Days. And so the mayor came to God's people and said, we don't want that again this year, we want you to pray. They wanted God to intervene. Yes. So get out there with those blessings. That's the important thing, right? And the second Amazing. thing, the second thing Jesus does is he says fellowship with them, yes. right? He in verse seven he says, "Remain in the same house, eating and drinking. You can party with your neighbors." You know that's not you so get bad, to is eat it? With them, how you many get of you to like to party? They enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Woo! Eating evangelism. Okay. So eat your way. Uh, uh, so spend time with them. Work them into your schedule. When you're at the grill, uh, you know, either take some over or invite them over to help you. Uh, you don't have to make the big party. Just do what you're doing, invite them into it. So spend some time with them. And be in fellowship with, the, again, the people that God has put around you. And here's number, number three in verse nine. He says, and this uh, calls to remember what Paul said. He said to walk in what? Love, right? Walk in love. And be compassionate, be kind, show them what that love looks like. And Jesus says, you can actually go to your neighbor and heal them. Now, how many of you really believe that? How many of you have neighbors that need that? Why aren't you doing that? You got all, we, we have all this other trash and stuff for our neighbors, but they need healing. Let's walk next door to our neighbor. Let's heal the broken hearts. Let's heal the broken bodies. Let's heal the broken spirits. 
when my neighbor who had treated us terrible for 15 years walked across the road and into my driveway and I thought I was in for another long tirade of complaints and tears welled up in his eyes and he says, can you pray for me, for our family? My son-in-law has stage four brain cancer. How did he know, after all the time we had been there, that I would do that for him? But we walked with his family through a lot of that. And that's really, it starts with a smile, with an acknowledgement. Sometimes it's a meal. Sometimes it's a helping hand. You see them struggling, trying to get something in the back of their truck or something out of their car trunk. Just go over and helping. Sometimes it's a shoulder to lean on. Sometimes it's just an ear to listen. But when they know that you see them, it makes a difference. You see, we're a a network of neighborhood churches, right? And you are the church. This building hasn't helped anybody, really. I mean, it's been useful for a few people, but it's it's you that makes an impact in the neighborhood of Shawnee. It's the Miriam campus that impacts the the neighborhood of Miriam. It's the Edgerton campus that impacts Edgerton. And soon coming to Loma Vista soon, it's the Loma Vista campus that impacts the Loma Vista neighborhood. They'll only know the goodness of God through their acts of kindness to do their bringing the healing. See, one of our, another one of our values is that we make a difference in the cities where we are. Jesus, uh, God said, in this, go and bless the cities where you find yourself. And that was mm-hmm. to people in captivity. But it's also that they know that we make a difference. So we don't want to be hiding our difference behind closed uh, prayer closets, do we? So here's the neat part. After we've done all that, after we've blessed them, we've got to eat with them, enjoy them, and learn to, to know them, and maybe even like them. And then when we've actually got to see the power of God reach into their lives and, and heal them and impact their lives, we can turn to them and we can say, the kingdom of God has come near you. Now that's pretty exciting. That's really exciting. And it's come near them because you carried it there. It was your feet. It was your hands. It was your grill. It was your intentionality. It's the answer to their why. Why are you doing this? Why are you different? Why didn't you give up on me when I was ugly to you for 15 years? Why does God matter? It's because my God desires it of me. He tells me to be a neighbor. And he loves them. In biblical terms, it's called being a witness. When the opportunity comes, open your mouth and tell them what he's done for you. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Whoa! Can I get a witness? Yeah, 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 yeah. So after you've demonstrated the gospel, takes the, the, take the opportunity to... To tell them what you've shown them. Yes. Yes. We all want to times tell them what they've never seen. Demonstrated. Okay, so have I convinced you? So what do you do? Now, unfortunately, we're really out of time. We're running long, right? So we're, we can't go... Can we get a minute? <laughs> so we're going to wrap this up really quick here. Uh, but what does it look like practically? 
How do you find out who your neighbors are? Because sometimes that's just a daunting task. I don't know who they are, but I use this neighbor, this website called Bless uh, Your Neighbor, uh, BlessEveryHome.com, and it it knows all my neighbors' names almost. That and may not work for you in an apartment, but if you're in a house, you can also use your county appraiser's website because they know your neighbors too. Yeah. So I, I, I that way, whenever I'm sitting in the front yard, uh-huh. hi, Bill. And I often, I have to learn their, their dogs' names and stuff, too. Hi, Mike. Hi, Alice. Hi. Uh, why do they know my name? That's spooky. And this thing is magnetic, so it sticks to our table that's in the front yard. And so we don't even have to kind of remember. We got a cheat sheet right here. Oh, they came out of that house. Okay. So we're not going to get a chance to, to dig into a lot of the details here, but I want to challenge you to, to just take simple steps. God doesn't expect you to do this all at once, but as you're on a journey, you find a, some, uh, somebody, one of your neighbors laying in a ditch, go do something about it. For so long, it seems that our, our lifestyle isolated us from our neighbors, and now we've tried to incorporate them into our lifestyle so that we make a difference. Now, Anita found some great ideas. What the, she discovers that Howells and Pinterest are interested in that this is not just our yeah, problem. This is such a t- hot topic at the moment. That's exactly I mean, right. They have, they have lists for how to meet your neighbor. So she's helped me adapt some of those lists uh, so that you can have some starter ways. And these are easy things, the easy things that you already do, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we call them 40 not-so-awkward ways to meet and bless your neighbor. Would you like some non-awkward ways? So turn your piece of paper, your handout over, and you can see the 40 non-awkward ways. They're not complicated. They're things you already do. Just think about it. Now, how can I do this and involve a neighbor? We sit at this table. We put it from the back porch to the front porch on purpose. So we made ourselves available in the neighborhood. And we live in, our lots are fairly large. We hang out in the front yard, and that gives us a great opportunity to say, Hi! And it gives us the opportunity to learn their names, right? As Anita yeah, said. Don't rub them off. And it gives us the opportunity uh, sometimes to love their kids because their kids are up, uh, ride their bikes and play in, in the street. We are known as the house where if you're selling anything, your kids are selling anything, come to the Blair House. <laughs> we have more Boy Scout popcorn and Girl Scout cookies and worm-infested apples that have been picked from trees, and you name it, we'll buy it because you're our neighbor. Well, Curtis is about to have a conniption over here, and I don't blame him, so we got to draw draw this little uh, feast (laughs) to to a close, and I apologize for for, for going along. We thought we were hurrying right along, but uh, stand up. We're going to have one more prayer declaration before we leave. And then Curtis has some closing things for us here. So I want you to do like you did last time, but I want you to really put your back in, into these declarations. We're going to make a neighborhood declaration prayer, right? Father God. Father God. I invite Jesus. I invite Jesus. Into my neighborhood. Into my neighborhood. I declare. I declare. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. To my neighborhood. To my neighborhood. He is bringing. 
He is bringing the kingdom of heaven with him. The kingdom of heaven with him. And I have the honor and privilege. And I have the honor and privilege of being the one. Of being the one to escort Jesus. To escort Jesus to my neighbors. To my neighbors. I bless my neighbors. I bless my neighbors. I bless my neighbors with peace. I bless my neighbors with peace. I bless my neighbors with health. I bless my neighbors with health. I want to know my neighbors. I want to know my neighbors. I will no longer. I will no longer ignore my neighbors. Ignore my neighbors. I will no longer. I will no longer think poorly of my neighbors. Think poorly of my neighbors. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will no longer stop. Will no longer stop at the edge of my yard. At the edge of my yard or my front door. Or my front door. I will acknowledge my neighbors. I will acknowledge my neighbors. Speak to them. Speak to them. Listen to them. Listen to them. Love them. Love them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I will bring healing. I will bring healing. Healing for their heart. Healing for their heart. Healing for their finances. Healing for their finances. <coughs> healing for their relationships. Healing for their relationships. Healing for their bodies. Healing for their bodies. And when they have experienced the goodness of God. And when they have experienced the goodness of God. And the power of his kingdom. And the power of his kingdom. I will say to them. I will say to them. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Has come near you. Has come near you. Amen.